Hi, this is Marnie with Maxim and Marnie. Maxim is a synonym for truth, and this is an opportunity that we get to do at our church here, Our Saviors in Naperville, where people get to say their stories um, and their truths and their vulnerabilities um, in the hopes that it grows our community closer together. So today I'm really excited to welcome Miss Julie Michaels. Hello. Hi. Thank you. Welcome, welcome. So Julie, where did you grow up? I grew up in Glen Ellen. Oh, right around here. I did. So suburban girl. Uh, grew up at Faith Lutheran Church um, at the same time that Jeannie Grevlos was there, but we did not know each other. Oh, how funny. Yeah. She was there, what, as a child? Uh-huh. And you're how far apart in age? Just uh, a year a year in school. So um, how did you not cross paths? I, I, she grew up in Wheaton, and I grew up in Glen Ellen, and so we were never in the same classes. She knew my sister. Oh, I thought you meant you were at the same church. We were, but oh, we just... still. I think what it was is that at that time, you know, this is back in the dark ages, um, once you went through confirmation, you were then an adult in the church. You didn't have a youth so, group. No, so there was there no wasn't. youth groups. Mm. That confirmation was your only connection with anyone your age, but it was just seventh grade or eighth grade. It was never a combined thing. So, And just for yeah. background, Jeannie Grevels was the wife of a pastor that we had that was here for 10, 12 yeah, 10 years. years. Yeah. And um, two so sisters anybody... that still are members of our church, too. Yeah. yeah. Joey yeah. works down the hallway here. Yeah. Cool. So yeah. super fun connection. Yeah. So, so who was in your house? Uh, mom, dad. I have a sister that's 19 months older and a brother that's three years younger. Um, and then my parents divorced when I was in high school. And what year were you born? I was born in 1958. So when they divorced when you were in high school, did you feel like a minority with that experience? Um, yeah, but I think every kid feels like they're in a minority with that experience because it's new to you. My sister and I, well, my sister had a best friend whose, par whose parents were divorced also. So I think that's how we dealt with it, was framed it from based on her experience as well. Yeah, that kind of thing. And do you feel like that was a super traumatic thing or no? Um, yes, it, at the time it was traumatic. Um, there's a lot of, I mean, you look back on it and you see that there were positive things that came out from it. I think I learned to appreciate each of my parents for the gifts each of them gave me. More as an individual. Yes, yeah. rather than as a, you know. But, um, yeah, then when my dad remarried, there was... Um, you know, it was definitely a, a hard emotional time because then that dream for sure dies. They're never really going to get back together. Mm -hmm. You know, that kind of thing. But yeah, I feel like I've had people say they were divorced my whole life and then my dad was here and I still dreamt of them being together. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's interesting that some people have that, right? It's yeah. just innate in you. Yeah. yeah, that for some reason you still want that nuclear family. Um, yeah, interesting. Then, you know, but then you learn to move on and celebrate the other people that have come into your life and 
wouldn't be as full, um, you know, because those people wouldn't have been part of your life otherwise. Kind of builds resilience. I would hope so. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think that some people, you know, believe that, oh, since your parents divorced, you'd have an easier time getting divorced. And I think for me, it was like almost exactly the opposite, um, which I, I don't know if that's one of the reasons I didn't get married until I was over 30. Um, I just took a long time to grow up, actually. So what were you like in high school? Did you go like wild in that phase? Um, not really. I had a really core group of girlfriends that are still my real close friends. I think that's amazing. And um, they're all, they were all pretty conservative. I mean, we, were, we did s- silly, crazy things, but we weren't, you know, way out there. We just, we, you know, a lot of them still had the midnight curfew and that kind of thing. And so we just kind of, it, we kept each other, I think, uh, pretty well grounded and we still do um you know we're still there for each other some of them some of us still live in the area you know most of us still live in the midwest so we still get to be together and support each other when we're going through stuff so where did you go after high school uh i went to illinois state university that's really hot right now is it i i feel like it's really hot okay i feel like u of i for the really like smarty pants and the ISU, like for the ones that maybe didn't get like a perfect on their ACT, I feel like it's just a hot, hot school. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say ISU for the dumb dumbs. No, <laughs> I'm like, what are no, you no. Saying, I just Marty? think U of I is like really hard, like okay. elite, elite well, academia, and, I, and yeah. I feel like ISU is for everybody else. At the time when I went to ISU, I, I would have by the ACT score qualified to go to U of I, but I remember just going to that campus and being completely overwhelmed by the size of it. Right. And I was like, I, I, I can't do this. And so ISU, after seeing U of I, looked like, okay, this is something I could do. Um, and at the time, my parents said, or my parents were divorced, so my father said, you have X amount of dollars per year to be a full-time student. And if you don't come out as a full-time student, you won't get any money for the next semester. So that also limited my uh, choices unless I wanted to take out loans, which wasn't necessary at that time. So did you graduate without debt? Yes, yes. But you have to remember that was- kind of epic. You know, my, but my college, just for reference, my father gave me $2,500 a year. And that covered all of your expenses, tuition, Mm -hmm. room and board, Yes, and I mean, I had my own expense, my own spending money. He didn't cover that, but it was, yeah. That's kind of amazing. Yeah. And that was what year? Uh, I graduated in 1980. From ISU. From ISU. And what degree did you have? It's uh, early childhood education with an emphasis in special ed, which I'd always said I was going to be a teacher. And I went there thinking I was going to do special ed, um, but ended up moving into early childhood, which was considered a different specialty. Uh, a different certificate, but I have my early childhood and my elementary certificates. And I taught, left there and taught uh, early childhood special ed for six years. Um, Was there a pivotal moment in college or an aha moment? Was it easy right away? Um, I I know a couple of our high schoolers, they um, listen because they're lovely and I love them. 
but they will sometimes say I've had a bunch of kids go away to college and they'll say everybody says like it's the best time of your life and it's so amazing and and sometimes that first semester has been hard for people and they haven't made instant friendships or relationships or um, so I just could you speak to that of what your experience was like so I remember um, first off I know going away to college I did not have great study habits so my first semester was really learning how to study to a level that I wanted to be at because in high school I didn't care as much um, and so I remember that I also this was back when ISU did not um, push people out of the dorms so I, as a freshman I was actually in an apartment and I shared that with three other women. Um, and so that was very formative in that that was, you know, everybody around you and all the other apartments were junior and seniors. And I, myself and this one other girl were freshmen and then we had a couple of juniors that shared this apartment. So yeah, there was a lot that went on, I think that first year as far as growth went. Um, and I joke about it, but I would say, especially during college and for a few years after that, you know, I, I was a kid that was clueless. I mean, I there was no long term. It was all whatever was right in front of me. So, um, and then my sophomore year, I did move into the dorm with the other girl that I shared an apartment with that was a freshman because we both felt like we had missed so much because we didn't know what was going on on the campus really because we didn't live there. So, that was you know a lot of my so my good friendships from college are really from the dorm and that that era yeah so you say you graduated with um, a teaching and you did that for six years mm -hmm. and then what happened because I I know that you don't do that anymore uh, I, I burned out yeah um, the classroom changed a lot uh, it was a classroom of kids that at that point didn't they felt needed more attention than they would have gotten in a half-day preschool program at the, at the schools. They didn't have any, so it was the kids that went to the preschool elementary school would have been like those that needed a little extra speech help or a little reading. Uh, the kids that came to me were, um, had more severe disabilities. You would not consider them like they were Down syndrome, many of them not considered that severe now, but you're talking 1981, 82. Um, they normally came to my classroom unpotty trained. They came the, like the week after they turned three. So during the year, they would come, they weren't potty trained. Some of them came with bottles, uh, mostly nonverbal, um, some autistic, some with, you know, um, major physical limitations. So it's kind of a mixed bag. And it progressed that the last year I was teaching, there were 10 kids and three adults in the room. I started with four kids and two adults. Yeah. And by the time there were 10, it was more like daycare. Um, there was just feeding therapy, bathroom time, and nap time, and there wasn't a lot of what I felt learning so I I decided I was done which is okay I love that people can know they have the freedom to change a path so, so then where did you tell go? you a funny little story about that too Please when I was do. Leave. so the last year I was teaching <clears throat> a lot of tears a lot of tears a lot of struggles 
because you really feel like you love the kids and you want to do right by them. So the guy I was dating at the time um, is a lighting director for uh, music. And I was at his company's Christmas party. Um, and one of their premier clients is uh, a band called Cheap Trick. Oh, mm-hmm. I've heard of them. They're from Rockford, where I grew That's up. That's right. <laughs> so I ended up having this, a long talk with Robin Zanders, who's the lead <laughs> singer for Cheap Trick. And his mother taught um, special ed for many, many years. And so he was asking me about what I was doing, and I was telling him, and I told him about my struggle at that moment. And he said, you know, Julie, you've done something for six years that most people would never even think about being able to do because you can leave with your hand head held high. And he was the impetus for me to finally say it's time <laughs> Gave for you to the leave. freedom. That's awesome. Isn't that wild? Yeah. 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 That's really so, good advice. That was, so that was, yeah. But that's great. Yeah. People should know that it's okay to try something and they don't have to commit to it for the rest <clears throat> of their life. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right. And that, you know, and I just had to get the brave part that I wasn't leaving the kids yeah. at drift. You know, of course, there was another very qualified teacher who came in and took my spot. So Right. It wasn't failure to, no. to leave. It right. was we experienced this. I put my heart in it. So successfully six years this was what it looked like. And yeah. now on to new things. I yeah. love that, actually. That's pretty awesome i think more people need to hear it from that angle yeah mm-hmm. permission yeah. permission and you, that's what you, i needed you made the world a better place you helped those families you helped those kids that's awesome actually yeah so then where did your life take you uh just out into the corporate world and ended up working for the unisys corporation which is a computer corporation and um they back then they hired you for your industry expertise and taught you computers. So they hired me to train end users on uh, student accounting software, you know, things that did attendance grades, that kind of thing, because of my education background. And then sat you down and said, okay, now this is, you have to learn to support the school districts on the software. So then I had to learn how to read and, help uh, code, coding. I never had to actually code, but you, this was in the days of great big mainframes rooms, multi-million dollar facilities is what we supported in the school districts. And so I traveled around the United States training school districts or end users on that software. Well, that was kind of great training. Yeah, that was- They, they stuck around. So for you to know that kind of stuff was yeah. really good. So did that for a few years. And then as things changed at Unisys, I ended up leaving there and going to waste management. And I feel like that's code for like being in the mob. Yeah. Did you fix things? <laughs> yeah. Were you the did fixer? You? <laughs> no, we just uh, went there. And then it was just, it was training and writing help, help screens and end user manuals. And so I used to say that my claim to fame was that I've seen the United States landfill by landfill because I was in charge of point of sale uh, um, software and landfill safety software. Have you really been to a landfill? Oh, I'm many. That's what can I'm seriously. You please, can you please explain what a landfill is like and how many there are in our country? Do you even know? I have no idea how many there are. What um, would be your guess? Ooh. Like Hundreds, the one that I can thousands. think of that I 
drive-by is on 88 on the way to DeKalb when I'm going to my parents' house. Okay. And it's off, like if I'm driving west, it's off to the left and there's like pipes coming out and it's really stinky. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm talking about? Sure, sure. So it's explain what a landfill is. Like, what does that look like, and how bad is that, and how are we? What? Okay. So what happens is that uh, every landfill is built from the ground up, and that they dig a big hole, and there's all kinds of layers mm-hmm. of materials, cement, and other things that is put down into the ground to help from things seeping into yeah. the, the the land. Okay. Um, and so then it's filled with the garbage and those pipes it's are put Nothing has gone through it though. Like it's not like they go through the garbage at all. They don't nope. separate. They don't no. just so dump it from our once houses. It's, once it's active, the landfill is active, there is a gatehouse and the trucks pull up. They are weighed um, and a bill is actually generated from the weight of the truck and it goes in there and is dumped um, and they have big bulldozers up there pushing it around and making it compact and everything. And at the end of the day, mm. they pour dirt over what they have added, whatever active, you know, it's not like the whole thing is active. There's a face, the active face, they pour dirt over it to keep everything in there. Um, and you know, it's going to degrade. And what you, the smelly parts you, that you smell is methane gas being emitted and that's what those pipes are for and they are lit so that it burns off most of it but you still smell it I mean you can still smell it and how in the big wind. is that hole I have no idea they're all different sizes and I don't remember that's because I just feel like it ago. would be massive um oh yeah yeah massive massive acres and acres and acres yeah you and know how long how long until it can become like a ski hill because that's what some of them get converted to really yeah, yeah. Um, well, and there's one in Batavia um, that is actually a golf course. And so, yeah, so it was a joke when they converted it to a golf course in that, we used to say, because tires don't degrade, yeah. that, you know, if it pops up in the middle of the golf course, is it a hazard or man-made or is it, uh-huh. you know, natural <laughs> hazard? Play how the ball where how it do they call the points? Yeah, so, so eventually you can do things on those lanes. Yeah. So a lot of times, like... The ski hill I've heard is hard because of the heat generated from the garbage. Oh, that like the it, snow it, melts. Yeah, the snow melts too fast. I, I mean, again, this is all stuff that... I, was above my pay grade. I don't. Yeah, but really still remember. interesting. Yeah. Um. So you mentioned um at the beginning that you attended a church as a family. Mm-hmm. So how would you describe your faith journey up until this point? You're single or dating, and then you're doing these new careers, and it's exciting, and you're traveling around the United States. Um. I, you know, I remember like not really having any connection to church, uh, or much of a connection in high school or college. Um, But then right at the end of college, I felt this push to want to go back to church. So I I found myself going back to my, uh, to Faith Lutheran and attending church some, and then choosing to also uh, try teaching Sunday school. Now I'm single at this point and I, and I did that for a year, but still, you know, it was like, it, 
the people I met were all married with mm -hmm. little kids. Mm -hmm. What there were no connections there really for me. Yeah, peers. Yeah, and just there wasn't it wasn't much there. Um, when you said earlier that you traveled the United States, I'm sorry, I'm skipping over your nope, faith. We'll come back to it. Um, how have you been to all fifty states? No. Oh, what was your favorite state and what was your least favorite state that you visited? Probably best memories of stuff would be California because I had been to, and that wasn't even always with waste management, that was also with Unisys. Uh -huh. um, so a few places there that, that thing when you're traveling and you're on business and you're by yourself and you're in your 20s and you're female, there is not a lot of adventure because you're very limited as to what you feel comfortable doing. Mm -hmm. As much as I would have friends go, oh, why didn't you stay for the weekend? And it's like, well, because I've been there since Sunday night and other than talking to people from nine to four each day, <laughs> I'm by myself. And if I go someplace and go sit in a bar and try to make conversation, you're immediately thinking that you want more than conversation. Uh -huh. So you don't. You sit alone in your hotel room. And um, so then then it's not much fun. And so by Friday afternoon, you're tired of restaurant food, you're tired of being by yourself, and you're happy to go home. Yeah. Sleep in your own bed. So you were gone week for the whole week. Yeah. I was um, trying to remember, I think the year that George and I got married, I traveled 75% of the time. So I was usually gone Monday through Friday, three weeks out of the month. So how did you have a relationship? I mean, that was hard. Yeah. We, um, at that point, we did live together. So Wait, so means, wait, back up. So how did you meet? We met at Unisys. Um, okay. Was that illicit against the law? No. Okay. No. <laughs> um, and funny story, he probably, well, he knows this, so um, he was at the regional level and I was at the local level. So um, I'd heard for about, I'd heard a couple from a couple different people that he wanted to meet me. Uh -huh. And everybody that I had met at the regional level was like 45 and divorced. And so I was not at all interested. Sure. I was 27. Yeah. You know? Ugh. You're like, I'm young, I'm fun. Yeah. So um, I didn't try to, so I, he will tell you that for about a year he tried to meet me and then finally a mutual friend of ours there had a Christmas party and invited us both specifically to meet and we did but I had just kind of quit going out with this guy that I'd been dating for a few months and I was like Ugh, so over men at that moment so he then had to work hard he would ask me out and I'd say no and then I felt bad finally, and then I finally said yes in January. But kind of that distance made you maybe force you to get to know each other slower? Um, I guess at that point, well, you know, but I was 30. He was going to be 30 in a month. I mean, there. so if things probably progressed pretty quickly because we both knew ourselves at that point. Mm -hmm. And that's where, you know, it... Uh, the anniversary of our first date is when he asked me to marry him. Okay, so we got for married. A year. So yeah, not we crazy got, fast. We got married nine months later, um, and then I wasn't sure about 
you know, how easy it was going to be to get pregnant. So I was pregnant with Billy. Um, I was eight months pregnant with Billy on my first anniversary. <laughs> that happened a lot faster, I think. Than so after a couple months. Yeah. You know, it was like, well, we should see how this is going to work because I don't know. It worked really easily. Oh, that's that's a nice thing to have that work yes. out because it doesn't work out everywhere for everybody like that. Um, so then you had a baby, and how did that change your um, relationship with your husband? Uh, you know, I, I think that one of the things is that, you know, is when you have kids, is then the focus is on the kid. And so I look back at it now and when the kids went off to college, when Lauren finally went off to college, my youngest, I was like, oh my gosh, do I need a deck of conversation starters in the middle of the dining room table? Uh -huh. Because what we, I mean, we were only a year into this marriage and this kid came along. So uh -huh. this know, has been our identity. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that was, you know, that was always, that, so that's, that's been us trying to now really create a life just for the two of a us. A new story. Yeah. And so that has been challenging or would you say fun or easier or more surprising than you thought or? You know, well, it's, I don't know if it's challenging. Um, it's been different. Mm -hmm. I, I don't look at any particular year for any reason as being like the best or the worst or whatever. It's kind of like to me, you look ahead and it's like, this was really great this year, but now I'm looking so forward to what's going to happen this next year. You know, for us, we're talking, you know, we talk more about traveling mm -hmm. and retirement and what we're going to do then. And so um, that's, so it's just a different stage. You know? What would be your perspective to talk about um, people who are married that might have young kids or... Um, people with high schoolers like me and junior higher. I've got actually elementary, junior high school or past your Brian season. Like what would be perspective that you'd be like, oh, what? this is this is good perspective that I have from that experience? Oh, I don't think it's probably too much that anybody hasn't realized. I remember telling some of my friends when they were getting ready to have their second child, and I'm sure Brian's at this point too, you think, I got a handle on this. This is going to go well. This second baby comes along, and it's like having four kids. Yeah. You are so completely overwhelmed. And yeah, where I, were you a year ago to say that to us? Because that was the biggest shock. Wasn't it? Have you and I talked about that? No. That when people ask me, I'll, I, I'm honest, Gia's a better baby than Wesley was. We love her. She's, she's an incredible little girl. But it was adding a second child probably to Wesley's chaos. Like it was, it was so crazy. It rocked my world because I thought, oh, we could totally handle exactly. it. And, and I was just exhausted. Uh -huh. And now like Fridays, that's my day off. My goals, I'm going to clean up the house. I'm going to do laundry, you know, especially when the kids are nap, then neither one is napping at the same time and you don't get anything <laughs> done. It'd be when before it's like, season. Yeah, 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 but it is, but that second. And then I laugh about that because I think, I mean, we were old enough that I really, you know, the kids would say, Mommy, are we going to have another baby? And I would say, Oh, Mommy only wanted one baby for each hand. Um, but 
I, I could see where ki- people go on and have a third or a fourth because that second one just blows blew me away that it'd be like, okay, I'm going to have a third kid because I know that the chaos of the first <laughs> three to six months, you know, you just you just give it up. Yeah. You know, you, so you'd be a little more prepared for it. But Did you work out of the house with when they were little? Um, I did have, I did do consulting for waste management. Um, again, and, that sounds yes. like the mob. <laughs> consulting. I did consulting Who's for next? waste management. Okay. We got some garbage Go over ahead, here on this side. Julie. <laughs> sure Why don't you just did. dump it over they, here? Uh, yeah, huh? that's when yeah. I did the safety regulations, uh-huh. right, for, for land. But so you were working and had two little people. Right. When, yeah. when Billy was up until I was pregnant with Lauren, or until I had Lauren, I worked full-time. Um, and then... As I say, worked part time after that when she was a baby. Um, <clears throat> then, excuse me, <clears throat> we um, we moved to Pennsylvania and back in eleven months. Oh wow! George got transferred. We were there for three months. The biggest depression I've ever been in. Three yeah. months. Yeah. Wow. Okay, because new place that was hard. It was scary. Yeah. I. You yeah. know. I mean. I grew up in Glen Ellen. I right. moved all the way to Naperville, Illinois sure. State. Right. Lived in the city. I mean, we're right. talking, everything was here. And when his job was transferred, I said, I can do this. Right. Right. I'm married. I'm an adult. Mm-hmm. I have I've a traveled. husband and two children. You know, we can do this. <laughs> Got out there and went, whoa, I can't do this. Um, so struggled for about three months. Kind of finally came around and figured things out. Um, kind of finally was able to express to George what the issues were and what I needed. And then about a month later, he came home and said, you won't believe the call I got this week. And it was a job offer back here. And I said, well, good, because about the only place you're going to get me to move at this point is back home. Right. I mean, right. I'm just starting This was to move traumatic, yeah. yeah. And uh, so I said, make sure it's the job you want. So, yeah, so then it was like we had moved there in July, and we moved back here in June. Oh, how great. Uh Yeah, but a hard thing. I think moving is is really hard for people. And and so that was probably the hardest year in our marriage, but it was also one of the – but it was also the year that we grew together Mm -hmm. more than we ever had. And I think that was one of the things about the two of us having been at the age we were when we got married – and both having established worlds and friends in this area, we were together, but we had all these separate support systems, so we didn't have to work so hard at supporting each other. And then once we got to Pennsylvania, we realized how much we had to support each other and be a, a family, you know, for each other. Which, that's kind of great. So it was good. So it was, yeah, as challenging as it was, it was also a great growth that um, I think helped bring us together more than I, because I could have just pulled us apart. Right. Resentment. Yeah, totally. Um, okay. Talk to me about your kids. Cause I remember okay. being at the youth auction uh, with little kids and seeing you. And I think <laughs> Lauren was emceeing it and how fun Probably. it was. And I was like, look at that mom of a cool high schooler. And um, I think everybody, you know, in this community, we watch each other and I think yeah. we honor each other and celebrate mm-hmm. each other. So you are one of those families that I've watched, you know, grow. So talk about your two kids. Um, let's see. Uh, I still call him Billy. 
but the rest of the world does call him Bill. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. Oh, I've only known him as Billy. Ah, well, same. He, well, he answers to Billy. Does he prefer it without the Y? Um, no, I think it just was one of those things that happened as he started okay. in the business world. Sure. They started referring to him as Bill, mm-hmm. and he decided, okay, that probably is better. You know, I should just let it go. But when my husband asked me if he could name, if we have a son, could we name him William after his uncle? I said, okay, but his mother will always call him Billy. Mm -hmm. And so he said, all right. I love Billy. I think that's adorable. So um, Billy is 28 and Lauren is 25. And where are they? Billy is in the city. He is an IT consultant for... Uh, a startup company in the healthcare industry kind of thing and he is and does he have community does he have relationships um he, as far as a girl are you talking about um, or just <laughs> well I just meant like I think community is so so important and I think um having relationships of support and friendships yeah. like can be engaging and I know sometimes that also can be hard to find I think in the city though for young people it's easier than like what you were saying yeah I when you say, were at the went back to the church right and there were no peers I think in the city sometimes you can have more peers yeah and I think that he has still um he still has a group of close friends the guys uh are from college for the most part um a couple of them are from high school that are close to him. Uh, he was just out in D.C. with a group from college going to the Marquette-Georgetown game. Both of my kids went to Marquette University, and so did my husband. So we're huge Marquette fans. Yeah. Um, anyway. Uh, so, so he does have a group. And yeah. then, by the by, is he dating anybody? No, not at this time. Okay. Um, he has been pretty much your, quote, textbook millennial male. Well, what is that? Please describe. uh, Supposedly that, you know, uh, three or four dates and and then three or four dates here and, you know. And why? No long commitment or. Yeah. You know, always uh, for him, he will tell you mostly because he's very work focused. Mm -hmm. And so that takes up a lot of time. So you meet somebody and you date them a few times and all of a sudden they want too much of your time. Okay. uh, I I think this is a sad story, Billy. I think we should embrace love and embrace (laughs) relationships. And he and I have had some long discussions recently about that, you know, because I think he and his friends are all at that point where some of them are married. Many of them are in relationships now. He's tried. It hasn't worked. Mm-hmm. And um, that's okay, too. And I said to him, you know, like, how did, you know, how did you get there? And I said, well, I said, you have to remember that I didn't meet Dad until I was over 30. By that time, I had had two long-term, you know, three, two and a half to three-year relationships before I ever met him. So you got to give yourself chance, but... We were having discussion about the last girl he dated, mm-hmm. and he had told me about her. And I could tell it wasn't a good fit. Yeah, yeah. It just, you know. I mean, and that's okay, too. Everybody's yeah. path is different. Does he have any faith um, practices or no, anything? No, not yeah. right now. Yep, yep. Um, other than, you know, he, they're creasters because mommy makes them yep, go yep, to yep, church yep. when they're home for uh, special occasions. Um, but he, you know, after college, 
he um, did do some uh, missionary mission work with Dan Byrne ah. in Haiti. Went a couple of times with that group. Um, he really has very much a heart for service. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's the kid he was telling me yesterday on the phone. Saturday night, 2.30 in the morning, leaving the bars with his buddy. They stop at this taco place that he loves. Mm-hmm. And it's just a little hole in the wall in the city. He walks in, and two guys are beating up somebody else, like, <gasps> down on the floor, wailing oh. on this kid. Billy got right in the middle of it. Oh, my gosh. And... He, you know, he's not going to stand by and watch no. bad things happen. So yeah, he's a man of action. and said, "There's wow. this young adult male here <gasps> bleeding out of every oh, orifice my in goodness. his face, and so on." So, but he was that's upset. him. That's what he will do. He would. He will get in the middle of it. So. Yeah, he will stand up. And Miss Lauren, uh, Miss Lauren uh, just <clears throat> moved to Sacramento, California. Big deal! In June last year, um, she works in the industry of the NBA. She used to work for the Milwaukee Bucks, and now she works for the Sacramento Kings. And she's a business analyst in the marketing department. And how does she like living out there? Uh, well, she loves the weather, mm-hmm. and she sends me pictures all the time uh-huh. of her and. Short sleeves in the middle of February and right. January. Sure. Yeah. Just to and does she have community? Um, she has started to get a little bit of a community there. You know, it's still the first year. Right. I was going to say not even. And um, so she's got a few friends. Um, they invited her on a junket that they had here um, with the Bulls. So the Kings came to play the Bulls. They had about 40 VIPs come, and they invited Lauren to come along. So I went downtown in Chicago to meet with, up with them and talk to a number of the people that she works with, and they adore her. Great. And just, you know, couldn't say enough good things, and, you know, we can't wait to see all that she will do for us, and she's done so much, and she's so much fun, and... It's a real different atmosphere than the Bucks, so this is good. You're out in California. Um, everything is a little more politically correct. Um, she has a wild sense of humor. So the other three guys that she works with, she's like, oh, this is fun, Mom. They don't know all my, all my jokes. I've got a new audience. Mm-hmm. And she <laughs> So, but I feel like both of your kids are very uh, performing and outgoing. Would you say that that's accurate of both of them? Um, yeah, to a certain degree. Billy's definitely my introvert. Mm-hmm. But just the fact that he's the one that, just like his dad, and that uh, really good with people. However, to recharge, I need my own time. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so when we go on family vacations and so on, he will all of a sudden look at me and go, I need Billy time for a few mm-hmm, hours. Mm-hmm. And it's like, fine, got That's it. That's really uh, self-aware of him to be in his 20s and to be aware that I need to go fill myself up this way in a healthy space. Yeah. Yeah. And be able to communicate that. Right. Because right. that can offend people, right? If yeah. you don't say, hey, this isn't about you. This is just me. And, and he was, you know, he's always been like that. And so in junior high and early high school, he was kind of the squirrely little kid. 
And then at the end of high school, he really matured and became very much a leader here mm-hmm, with definitely. the um, youth group. Um, and at that point, all of the adults around were like, where was he this whole time? I said, I, you know, when it all happened, even George and I looked at each other and said, who's this kid? Yeah. Because Lauren has always been very much a natural leader. So she's always been you know, six going on 16 and now 25 going on 35 or 40. For the most part, I sometimes think that she's more mature than I am. But Mm -hmm. But he just came into his own in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. What would be your advice to parents about letting and watching your children become who they should be and are supposed to be? Uh, That you're not going to do everything right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you better forgive yourself yeah. a few times. Um, and that's hard. But I think that also being pretty real with them. I remember dealing with both of them in the junior high age and just at some point or another just looking them in the eye and saying, junior high sucks. It did when I was there, mm-hmm. and it still does with you, mm-hmm. and I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. There's just it's – not, it's not everything's going to be okay. It just – you just end up making it your way through it. High school in this area for, and I know it's changing, so I would never make this a blanket statement anymore, was like what we talk about, finding community. Many times the easiest way to do that, especially with boys, is in a sport. And I look back on that and think, okay, as a freshman, should have made Billy go out for soccer or cross country or something the fall of freshman year if you're not into football again football's a non-cut sport but you just that's how boys find community I did not make him join eagles wings freshman year but then sophomore year i made him and said to him you know deal with the devil (laughs) that you do with your kids i said look you don't have a fall sport because he was a wrestler so that didn't start until winter. I said, you need to join Eagle's Wings. If you don't like it, and at the end of Christmas break, you're done with it, that's fine. But you have to give it that try. And he loved it. And that was really a turning point for both of my children. This was probably their strongest community. They looked forward to Wednesday afternoons, not so much for singing, but they were always with a group of people who they knew loved them and encouraged them. Mm-hmm. Um, and same with Ignition, you know, because they got to know their mentors and so on, that they have a lot of, that was their need. They went through, a, they both went through a lot of different bad times as well as good times through high school, at the high school, and the community here is what kept them sane and kept them going. Um, so that's where I encourage parents to make sure that they do tell their kids, no, you have to join. You have to join this here. And if it doesn't work for them, that's fine. But to say, but to have them go, oh, I don't think so. They're, even though I told them once they graduated from uh, or once they finished confirmation, they could find their own way. <clears throat> I realized that 
you know, it was a different time than when I grew up in the church. And so it was important that you have these opportunities, that you do try them for a certain amount of time. And that if it doesn't work for you, it doesn't. But I think for most kids, then they find that community. And then that's, that's what keeps them going and keeps mm-hmm. them strong. Yeah, that's awesome. So for your kids, that was a great support system. What um, have you served in the church or what way supported you um, in a way that you've participated in? Um, So when we started here, it was interesting because when we were in Pennsylvania, the one thing when we left here, I said to George, one of the things I want to do is I want us to find a church together. Mm -hmm. I had been attending Naperville Presbyterian Church for their Bible study and their kids' Bible study, and I would go to church there occasionally. But George had no connection with that. He wasn't interested in that. He would go once in a while just because I asked him. So I said, I want us to find a church together. And where we were in Pennsylvania, outside of Philadelphia, there were like three Lutheran churches in a big area. You know, it was, So we found one, this cute little Lutheran church, connected with it. It was growing. It was interesting. So when we move back here, I'm like, there's all these Lutheran churches. This is going to be so easy. (laughs) And I couldn't find a connection. Mm. So we ended up coming here when it was the old Bethany Lutheran building. And starting, oh, you're saying the celebration celebration wasn't here yet. Okay. And we started coming here because of the praise band. And that was a little bit more of the vibe that we'd had in um, Pennsylvania. But because Sunday school, Billy was in first grade, Lauren was three, um, Sunday school was a bunch of, basically a bunch of little girls. So Billy didn't want to go to it. And if Billy didn't go to it, Lauren wasn't mm-hmm. going to it. So we ended up going back to main campus or to the, our Savior's campus, however we call it now, mm-hmm. um, and um, started there. Um, and George is also one of those people who likes a sanctuary. So it was important for him. So that's how we ended up pretty much staying there. You know, I'll come here every once in a while, and he will come with me sometimes too. But he likes worshiping in a sanctuary. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So that's where we started. And I didn't really – so then I started getting involved. At one point, um, Jeannie Grevlos and I started talking about uh, being relocated and the trauma that – she and I both had gone through. And so then she asked me if I would lead a ministry that was called Moving On After Moving In. And um, it, uh, and so we started that. That was kind of at the height of the real estate market. I had started as a realtor at that point. Oh, how crazy that that all was like simultaneous. Yeah. So still many of my good friends in the church, the women were ones that went through my class. Um, and met, you know, a lot of people. So but through that time of struggle, really gained yeah. wisdom to share with others. Yeah, so right. So people would move here. Right. So and they, you would be like, I get it. Uh-huh. You don't know anybody. You don't have anybody. It's yeah. new. Right. And it wasn't only people that joined the church, but there were people outside of the church that also joined the group, and we ministered to them. And um, it was it was a, a great experience for I th- four years did I do it? That's I was great. wondering, like, how long you did it, because I know that you are great at connecting people if you're given that avenue, and you never force them to come to our church, 
But as I'm hearing this, I'm like, that's awesome. Where is that? You know, like there's so many people that are moving to this area and checking us out. And that that would be a conversation, a healing part to to find your place, find your home, find a community. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Four years, though. And it was. um, And so, you know, um, then that just kind of waned as things do. And um, and I think that was probably around the time that then, yeah, Billy would have been in junior high. So I started getting more involved with the youth ministries mm-hmm. uh, and the youth auction, um, helping run that, and then mostly just doing the silent auction over the years as well as being on stage a little bit. Cause That's fun. Yeah, it is. Um, and so really being involved in that. And then um, my kids still you in were high on- school. And then I was on. Uh, then I was council. on council. Okay. For four years. And was that a positive experience, a hard experience, an interesting experience? Um, it was. There were a lot of positive things about it. Um, I don't think you're ever quite prepared to see how the sausage is made. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And so, and that was during the time of transition when uh, Tom Grevlos left, and then I was part of the. Uh, search committee to find a new pastor and um, so that was a lot of work oh you guys were on the call committee together and you weren't on pastor john's yeah huh i don't remember that oh okay yeah no i was on pastor john's look at us same thing (laughs) yeah so um yeah so but you know that i mean well you remember oh were you with the council representative right yes okay 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 yeah yeah so, um, but that was, you know, that was really intense. And I'm sure you remember. That was a lot of well, work. Well, it just felt a lot of responsibility. Now you're speaking coded and now you have to reveal. No, I think that like it felt like Pastor Tom, he was a really, I feel like people would joke he was the mayor of Naperville. You know, if you were somewhere, he just shook everybody's hands. He knew everybody's names. He had a very good reputation. Him and Jeannie were very strong leaders. Mm -hmm. And so with that leaving, I think it felt this big shoes to fill. And wanting to provide the community with somebody that could really lead and and take us to the next um place in our journey in our church right right? like it just felt like a lot i think for it was a big group of people to to go through the exercise of defining what that journey was going to be and what our goals were as a church and the type of person you're looking for was when i think back on that that was overwhelming and it took a lot of work to get there and feel like you know we were staying together and we were all looking for the same thing and that takes a lot of when you think about it a lot of emotional a a lot of emotional energy because it's you know it can't be too individualistic and um and then meeting these people and i have never been in a position where i've had to do a lot of evaluation and interviewing etc so that was something very new to me same and to meet you know and learning to disseminate who you think is going to work and who isn't you know that's an overwhelming responsibility did you feel like your voice um was as valued as everyone else on the on that committee 
Um, yes, but I think that's because of having the uh, council connection. And uh, did you feel that? I don't know. I had I had a weird m a couple moments where I felt like I was maybe told to be, I was the little girl in the room and maybe I shouldn't share mm -hmm. that opinion. I felt like I don't no. know. It was just the first time I think that was real for me. But okay. And see, for me, from my understanding of you, Marnie. Um, that's the real the reality of what this church wants in a community and leadership is they want to have a relationship with their pastors. And from knowing that situation without diving into it, I feel like you were asking them what about their family and you were asking about um, who they really were or how we can be in relationship with one another. So where others get offended is because they have those boundaries or walls put up. But I think you were speaking on behalf of the, what the community really wanted in a leader. So, well, I don't know yeah. about that, but, but yeah, I, I, I can see where you're thinking that, well, I mean, I'm one of the youngest of this Yeah, group, for sure I was. And so I haven't had enough experience, but you know, I talked about that with my daughter just a couple of weeks ago. That's your imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And because she has felt that in her role. Right. In her role where she's working, mm -hmm. when she worked for the Bucks, she had been a college intern for right. two years and then went on to be a full time. So she always had that I'm the intern mm -hmm. mentality. And then she's moved to the Kings and she, people keep encouraging her to speak out during uh, meetings because I'm like, Lauren, they don't look at you as. The a intern. new college gra yeah. graduate. They look at you as a seasoned professional now. You have to believe in yourself. Mm -hmm. um, she's brought forth a couple of things to the group. Um, like one, she said, what recently she talked to me. She's talking about it at home a lot. And then there was a big meeting with the marketing department and the president of um, the Kings, and she brought forth uh, an idea that they make – um, trying to in, draw people in and draw families in, that they have a $5 meal deal every time eight, for each home game. Hot dog, chips, and a drink, whatever, yeah. hamburger chips. The president just loved it. It was like, oh, my God, that's what we need to do. Yes, this is so perfect. How do we get people in? We, You know, the price of the ticket, as we all know, is a minor cost once you pay for parking and your kids all have to have 12 things to eat during sure. the two, you know, the three hours there. And he just, he thought that was fabulous, you know. And so the, one of the VPs of marketing that I met, uh, Lisa, was just like, you need to talk more in meetings. You need to bring these things up. And Lauren said, yeah, at the Bucks, we would leave the meeting and then I would say something to my director. You know, I was thinking in the meeting that maybe mm -hmm, such and such, mm -hmm. but she wouldn't bring it up herself in the meeting. Mm -hmm. And so to learning to do that. And for you, I'm just thinking you felt, well, they're all looking at me as, well, you don't really know enough mm -hmm. yet. You haven't been around Yeah, and enough. maybe that's just her and I, you know, insecurities in that moment, right? I, yeah. But I think we all get that at different points in, in our career. I would say there are times when I even feel that now 18 years into real estate, is that someone brings something up and I go, huh, never thought about it that way. Mm -hmm. That's really smart. Mm -hmm. How come I never thought about it? So we all have those moments. Can I just say when it comes to podcasting, because I got like a year and a half ahead of you, Marnie, 
every time I have a question written down for a guest, Marnie is just on it. I don't even have to like show you most of the time. Like, <laughs> is that so, funny? Yeah. So you're, well, we're uh, we're so, him and I. I think are similar in getting to people's stories. <laughs> so good at it. Do so. you remember? And then we'll leave this because okay. I just want to see. Do you remember the one pastor that came in? I don't remember where he was from. Don't, don't say their name. I'm not going to say their okay, name, okay. and it, it, it doesn't. This I, won't, I wouldn't remember their name. I, yeah, so I wouldn't either. But he came in and he just was really out of the box and he was like I would like to get rid of confirmation I don't you know Martin Luther's heart wasn't to make it mandatory and our faith should be and you should have seen the body language in the room like everybody's arms were crossed <laughs> everybody was leaning back and I was like I think this is so great <laughs> and I could just tell I was like I can think this is great all day long but this is not what our church wants so it was just a very do you remember that? Like uh, vaguely, okay. vaguely, okay. I do. Yeah, and then when you say that, I'm like, oh yeah, there was somebody. Everybody left and went, whoa. Yeah, okay. nobody was open this to that, but he was very, very out of the box. Yes, yeah, because I think that was that was it. It was just mm-hmm. way too far away. You well, know, as soon as like, he said no confirmation, I was like, oh, he's lost him. Wait, so <laughs> it's the month of February now, right? Yeah. In the five years ago, I started my interview process with oh, our saviors. Five oh, years oh, really? Ago. Yeah. Really yeah. Long? Feels longer to yeah. me, but yeah. you know, just, yeah, you're a good yeah. fit. Um, so, where have you engaged uh, faith in your marriage that you think has been um, impactful for the two of you? Oh, Do you guys wow. pray together? Have you gone on retreats together? Do you worship together? You know, I, most of it is worshiping together and then just getting involved in some of the missions. Um, George is pretty open to that stuff if, as long as he's invited. I mean, I, I'm the one that initiates most of it, but, you know. What has intended. been the greatest thing that you have experienced um, through being a member here? Uh I would say that my children are the people they are because of not only what I've done and George has done, but what our Saviors has done for them. That's really amazing. That is very formative. Oh. I had a. She has tears. Yes, um, she's overwhelmed. So, That's amazing. Yeah. So I had uh, um, most people didn't even realize Billy and Lauren were brother and sister because they don't look anything alike, but or very little, you know. And I had. And I don't remember who it was, okay? But I had one of the guys that was a mentor. And at this point, Billy graduated. And we were here. And after service, he came up to me and said, I didn't realize they were brother and sister until just now. <laughs> and I was like, you know, the only two people with the last name Michael. I don't know why, but whatever. And he goes, oh, my God. He goes, how did you bring up such fabulous people? And I was like, I lucky and this church. <laughs> that's what, yeah. what I would say. But that's awesome that you felt like that village supported you in doing that. Oh yeah. 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 I think that they I, I think for the most part they agreed with. I, I you know, not that they they haven't have they don't have their own faith struggles. They're in their twenties and that's when I went through most of my faith mm-hmm. struggles. So I think that they're doing that. I don't think they're talking to me about it because they're afraid that I won't understand. But we haven't really gone there yet to say, I will understand because I did it. Mm-hmm. Maybe they'll listen to the, this podcast when well, you want Well, yeah, I told them I would tell them <laughs> what it was on. And they, 
Uh, okay, so tell us Lauren's deepest, darkest secret. Are you panicking, Lauren? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Like, oh Pastor my Ryan, gosh. hearing her talk about that, I love when you speak about uh, if somebody says something and you were like, there's no guilt here, there is no shame here. Because I think sometimes people can say, oh, I only win at Christmas, or oh, I'm not a good this, or remember when Lisa was on, and I only, you know, my worship is coming here Sunday nights. And I think sometimes people have this picture of what they think a person that believes or is a follower or is a Christian or um, a good committed faith person looks like. And I love when you dispel that and give permission, as we spoke about earlier, or freedom. Can you talk to that? Well, I, I just think it's important to everybody's on their own journey. Mm-hmm. We're not cookie cutter. And uh, even if your parents had this experience, doesn't mean that it's going to be yours. And so, um, yeah, I, I think it's important to give people permission to take breaks away and ask questions. I would much rather be a 90-year-old on my deathbed um, have having challenges in my life and knowing my faith is a real thing than uh, to be some 90-year-old who's just like, yeah, Jonah was swallowed by a whale. You know, like, just believing everything because I was told it. Um, that's right. a sheep, and I, I don't want to be a sheep. And so right. um, so that's my approach on it. I think here I, I encounter a lot of younger parents and their you know, 30s who took time away from church because mm-hmm. they lived in the city and they right. had their friends who were their community. But I think churches in the city aren't always that easy to go to. Um, and so now they've moved out to the burbs and they're having kids. So it's important for them. And they're apologizing a lot. And I'm like, no, look at like right now you're, you're here, you're trying, you know, so you're, you're actively committed as a family. You're like, we're going to come together. We want to worship together. I, I, I applaud it. Um, I don't badmouth the person who's taking a break away, but when someone's ready to ask those questions, I, I want there to be a space for them. I, Julie, I think it's awesome. Like I go back to you and Jeannie um, recognizing the need for when somebody moves to an area and being together and talking about how hard that is. Um, we need more groups like that. So like when you come, you, you're like, oh, there is a place for me here. Oh, they do get it. Uh, they understand what I'm going through. So for me, it's when someone comes, when they're ready, there's a place for them. But I, yeah, I'll never guilt trip them. And if I don't see them again until Easter or Christmas, that's awesome though. Like it's, it, they're, they're, they're hitting the pause button. And, and I think what you've done is you've given them the tools that someday your kids will have this want like you had. Mm-hmm. I want to find that community and, and and I pray they're able to find it. And and it might not be Lutheran and that's okay. Right. You know? And that is the only thing that I really wanted for them also was yeah. to have had this foundation that at some point when you feel the need to walk back into a church mm-hmm. that you can versus where some of my friends have been have said, I will never go back to a church because of my experience. Because of their experience, yeah. And so at least, you know, at, I've given them, like you say, just the tools. I don't know where it will lead you. Uh, I know that, you know, at Christmas, um, it was, this is good. Yeah. This service, this has brought Great. me. You know, they, they felt, my daughter was one-lining it the whole church service. I am like, what in the deal? I was like, was like, she was totally wound up and she yeah. kept, you know, 
making I, and funny comments, not anything rude or anything like that. But I, she was cracking me up during the yeah. whole thing. And then later on, I guess you know, Billy said something to her about. He goes, you know, when we got there and sat down and everything, it was like, oh, this is good. This is where Christmas all starts, is the 2 o'clock service on Christmas Eve, because then we go to Grandma's. Then Wait, she was they... one-lining it during my sermon? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, what I knew she was, she was saying... my people. Because <laughs> I, could, I couldn't ever sit quiet during church. So. Yeah, so. yeah. let's put her thoughts up uh, on the screen behind you. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, right, right. Yeah, she, can, she can live feed it Yeah, on the screen. I'm all for it. Okay, yeah, you'll just have to call her. and say, That's one of the things that happens. <laughs> happens all the time at work is like she one lines it and then you know she's got three guys that work around her that are um that are uh mathematicians yeah and so then they just fall out sure you know or she's <laughs> said she's walking down the hall the other day with one of them and there was one of the guys sitting there with a new pair of uh kicks on that were just whatever they were all blinged out or something and she's like look at you and it just isn't done in that office. I gotta ask. And they're she, just cracking up. Does she have a hard time? Is she a Bulls fan? No. Oh, she's not. So she is. No. She's not. Because I would have such a hard time in that business. Because I'm a Bulls fan. Okay. She. I mean, she's. It's not. She was. She was a Bulls fan when Jimmy Butler was on the Bulls. Yeah. But that's because he came from Marquette. Right. And that's when she started really getting into the pro level. Yeah. Then she, when she, but when she obviously worked for the Bucks, yep. they were, Giannis was part of it, but um, Giannis Antetokounmpo, which I didn't say that right. I know, Lauren, I'm sorry. Um, but he was coming up through there. He's the same age as she is. And so he was just starting and he, um, so then she became a Bucks fan because of they ramping up. However, she said what's fun about being part of the Kings is that the Bucks are doing so well now, they're just expected to win. So you're in the office and it's like, oh, ho, hum, they won last night. The Kings rarely win. Yeah. So then it's like everybody is stoked when the Kings win. Okay. And so then this is a lot more fun in atmosphere. Yeah, so she's just joining in whatever group. Right, yeah, and it's not as though you're – it's your job. Yeah. So what what's going on on the floor does not directly affect you in the office. Uh-huh. Um, but she would tell you that she would have no desire to work for the Bulls because she knows the organization from that front office level. They don't need her insights. Uh -huh. They don't need her expertise. Okay. Um, so this is where her so, fit is. Yeah. yeah. So this cool. is why moving to the Kings strategically was a very important thing for her um, job because it was her degree is in accounting and she wasn't using it at all at the Bucks. And this is a business analyst position, so she's <clears throat> using it. Cool. And, um, again, directing those things. So she's really at – really, uh, she, her goal is to be EVP of strategic thinking for an organization. I don't, I don't know what that is. Yeah. Uh, executive, executive vice, vice president. president. A strategic thinking. EVP, okay. super so, important people. EVP sounds really cool. EVP sounds really Doesn't cool. Doesn't it sound cool? Huh. Um, I and feel she will like, do it. She, I feel, and I'll tell you right now, she's that person. She will be there. Yeah, she'll I'm, be the EVP. Yeah, she'll be the out, MVP she's, of she's the EVP. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, I feel like we have really seen your life and your story and cool. beautifully through our saviors. But I know that you had a couple topics that you wanted to discuss before we 
um, wrap up our podcast here. Okay. As a listener of as the a podcast. Listener. Right. As a listener of the podcast, um, one uh, in one of your interviews, Marnie, you said, oh, I'm a member of Celebration. And that hit me to the core because as being part of council, et cetera, was always the big thing is that you're not a member. You're We're a member of our saviors, first and foremost. I happen to um, worship at Celebration most of the time. But, and I realize this is internal, so for the most part, anybody that says that, they get it. But I just want, I want everybody in this church to not say, I go to Celebration. I want them to say, I'm a member of our saviors. Yeah, and I think it's interesting um, because I would say my kids have grown up here, um, mm-hmm. and this is where they've only really attended. Okay. And they for sure would say that this is their church and identify with that name. Um, but I think also we get to do service projects as a whole church, and so I think we identify in that way. Okay. Um, but I do think there is a group of people, and I would argue to celebrate that they believe they're a part of celebration that has this really great relationship with our saviors as a whole group, right? So I don't know if I would look at it as like a separatist thing as, wow, they're really building a community there that people feel connected to. Yeah. But I get what you're saying, that the goal is that we're one church with two campuses. Yeah, you know, that vision of it being fluid has yes. always been there for me. And I don't think that we'll ever solve it, and I don't know that it'll ever happen. So it would be if if I were king and could do it, I would build a smaller sanctuary on this campus and I would get rid of that cam- the other campus and we would all worship in this building but those that find the sanctuary as the place that they are filled be- best with by li- worshiping would have that option and those that want the more casual atmosphere if we want to call it that would have that option and you would be able to walk in and out and not well and i hope that the podcast helps with that too because i feel like we're trying to interview people from different campuses and different worship times because i think even if you worship at nine o'clock sometimes you say oh i worship at the nine o'clock they might not even say our saviors right or i worship at the five o'clock and so that you're identifying really with the community and the people you worship alongside and we we do right and so i feel like if you're connected by mission opportunities or service opportunities or um, you know, programs that we overlap. I think it's beautiful that we get to do that alongside people who worship differently than us and who might like things differently than us, right? In that way. Right. Yeah, I feel and like I, it right. creates that opportunity. I also think one of the things that complicates it is, Julie, you worship at how many different worship services? You know, like you go to multiple compared right. to... Right, you're more ma- connected. Yes, compared to a majority of people who they find this is my niche, my community. So I do think you're a part of a rare uh, group that that travels and claims the whole church. Mm -hmm. Also, our Saviors has this really unique opportunity, which is that um, normally churches are built the way you would have built it if you were king or queen of the world, which is all in one space. This is 
we're never going to change what we have. We have two campuses, as Pastor John would want me to mention. There's no plan to get rid of either one. Right. And so we have to. We have to adopt uh, both as our own and uh, never like quit quit separating ourselves. But I completely agree with Marnie that the it's the services that are very different, you yeah, know, and right. and are their own communities. And so and I, I try I try language for me as first. So I say the Our Savior's Campus, then I say Our Savior Celebration Campus, and I do that to connect. But then. Um, I also encourage our new members to like go get a tour of the other campus. Oh, and I don't use I I you I don't get offended anymore, but I I do not call one main campus right. because uh, I used to joke around and try to get offended, but I just never took it serious. But I was like, what do you mean? I'm not the main pastor at the main campus, <laughs> which I'm not. You know, it's it's awesome to be under the leadership of a senior pastor who oversees multiple worship services, many ministries. We all agree to this. And I think it's it's OK. Like we got to stop forcing it to. I wanted you guys to have this conversation because I think it's healthy. Mm -hmm. I don't think our church talks about it. Mm -hmm. Right. And I love hearing Marnie's point of view, which helps me form a different viewpoint. And that's important to me. And yes, I agree with you in that. We all get in our little routine. Mm -hmm. And I have encouraged many people who attend here. They say, you know, if you're running a few minutes late, give yourself a break. And yeah, go to the 10:30 down there, be, rather than point. don't yeah. come because, uh, you know that. Or sometimes you're it. It's an early morning, and so there go to the some, nine o'clock or go to the ten o'clock, just because you can. There was someone that I met this weekend at ten o'clock. I'm like, hey, I, I don't know that I know you. And he goes, yeah, I go to nine o'clock. I came late. And so he's like, so I decided to come here. Yeah, he's perfect. like, I do it every once in a while. And like, I feel bad as a pastor. I don't know everybody, right? No, but, but it was yeah. it was great to like, yeah. fine, I'm going to be bold. And I'll, I'll, I'll put myself out there. And, and he didn't uh, throw it back at me negatively. It was, it was so cool. Yeah. Because this is what we have, that right. situation. By the way, I apologize to anybody at 1030 who... I haven't gotten to know yet because yeah. I've been here how many years, right? Right, but it would be hard. It's hard for you to do the 1030. So hard. You know? And like they could have been worshiping here for decades and they're just some that I, I have not been able to connect with because I'm never there. Yeah. But I think that's or also great there. to encourage being a part of the um, umbrella programs. Like when my kids were right. young enough and they were in the kids' choirs, yeah. um, it was an intentional time to go over to the other campus. Mm-hmm. And when I was a mom of babies, we had mops here. And so I was able to be in that group of people who, again, was an umbrella where all those people worshipped at different services and preferred different styles. Yeah. I would but say great to be a part. Missions, you can always be intermixing right. our, our service True. times. Music. And then faith formation, whether it's a Bible study or for adults or even your youth programs, that's where you're going to have it. it. And all of those are things that happen outside of worship. Mm-hmm. It's that one little space yeah. that we right. do have that separation. Right. But we're all we're all reading the same gospel. We're all hearing. Um, like I don't rewrite my sermon for 8 a.m. for 10 a.m. Like so, it's it's really you the the pastors can try to link everybody together mm-hmm. and pray that it happens. Yeah. So that was my next question, and that was just throwing it out to everyone at large. But you know, since you're in a different space than I am, as far as in um, 
worshiping here most of the time, as well as your children being younger, etc. Um, women's ministries oh, yeah. um, wanted to figure, I really am looking for input from anyone about how do we attract different age group. We read a fabulous book this time, which I don't know how many people knew about, but it was, and I'm not going to say the name of it right, this is the way it always is. Yeah. And it was a book, it's a book, uh, it's fiction, but it was written by an author who was going through this with her own son, who this boy at four decides he wants to be a girl. And how the next, you know, like uh, eight, nine years go in their lives. And it's really about the, though there is a whole family involved, it's more about the mom and the son that as their journey through this. Um, the youngest person that came to the book discussion has children in high school. Would have loved to have had some women there who would have who were younger and would have been touched in a completely different way by that book than most of us could be. You know, we could hearken back into what it might have been, but to throw someone in there who had elementary age kids and what would their feelings be about the book and how did they react to it emotionally you know it was just like darn it I wish they'd and I'd had a discussion with one of the women I know that goes here who also I um, in another in, within another book club but her family does attend um, our saviors and she wasn't able to come but you know her kids are younger and she said wow I just really feel like this was quite a radical book for the church to pick. She thought that was, and yet I know the women who picked it, it was perfectly up their alley. They just, you know, and think, gee, did these young women have this view of me and my peers that, like you said, oh, we're, we're the church ladies. You know, well, blending, and that's I where love we're the from. idea like, of blending the generations. Yeah. I remember when we did mops, we were always looking for people to take care of the babies. And B, I'm not going to remember her last name. We remember being young moms, and she was a grandma. And she served with the little kids every time we met. I think for like three years. Wow. And I remember that sticking with me so strongly saying, this is not her ministry. This is not her season of life. And yet she came out of her place to serve people in a much different generation. Mm -hmm. And I totally love what you're saying. I think sometimes it's just when you're in those seasons, your schedules are so different and unique, right? right? My I feel like when my kids were younger, I had no idea that I got to control those schedules so much. And now when they're older in high school and junior high, I just have to take them where they need to be. And my schedule is their schedule. And so, you know, I think you go through these ebbs and flows of being available at different times Mm -hmm. easier than others. But I, I, I think the 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 intention of you to blend the generations i think is a, is a beautiful goal I, I don't know what the answer well, is well and to be open to like maybe they have an idea or a, 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 an opportunity for us to bring multiple groups together without right. it being awkward well mm-hmm. would there be something that might draw three or four women into an evening right you know oh i know what, i know what you should do yeah I think you should go to Anderson's books and get an author to come that would speak to, to women of all ages 
and we host it here at Celebration and we promote it, you know, and, and it's in collaboration with community. And I think that is kind of your first step. Maybe that's how you get everybody in the same room at the same time is kind of around an author. Like, I don't know. Just throwing something like Well, right, because I you know Liza does a lot of things with the moms from here, and yeah. it's like Saturday mornings, I think, mm-hmm. you know, right? Because, like, mm-hmm. the other Same partner is home with all their little kids because right. they don't have to get a babysitter. Evening, sometimes you have to get a babysitter if your husband travels during the week or your other partner or whatever. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's just an interesting yeah, dynamic, so but and, an exciting you know, it's, goal, it's not right? like I, I'm expecting, you know, all of a sudden – 20 more women to show up no but I think but you just you slowly build on that that's wonderful and you know again personal invitation we know that always works best 100% but um to invite to to know of I don't know you know the the 20 people that I could call or email and personally invite knowing that maybe a couple of them would be have the opportunity to show up because that Friday evening finally looked at my mate and my partner and said, I'm going to this because yeah. I need to go up. this. Yeah. So work around it. Well, I know Allison Tupac listens to this and she's a mom of young people. So Allison, email Julie with ideas or suggestions <laughs> right. of, because she could just bring her whole small group and they would be, um, I'm sure, interested in ha- hearing uh, different generations' perspectives. I think there's a lot of wisdom um, and in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, does she have an idea of something that we could be brought together as a discussion group? I've had Whether- a group at our house where we had um, people in different spaces and then kind of share their stories um, with people in a younger space to kind of give us the wisdom of that. So we've done that like in a small group um, setting at our house, which was really fun. But I think that could be done in, in different groups in different ways. Mm-hmm. I, I like I like what you're saying. Good. I don't know the yeah. answer to that. But yeah. So. That's All right, well, conversation. email yeah, people. Yeah, you could also email us at Maxim and Marnie. Because you're going to check at it. At gmail.com. I do check it. Okay, good. Yeah, we, <laughs> we have yet to get an email. Okay, well, so, it's I mean, there. <laughs> so if you want to come on the podcast or you have ideas or topics, we can always connect you. Yeah, we would love to have any of you on, so please let us know. Thanks for your time, Julie. Thank, Thank you. Thank you for asking. Have a good day. Bye.